on the 20th day of the seventh month of the year 2020, a company named The Game Band unleashed a monster onto the world. Unnoticed at first, it rapidly grew larger and more powerful, its tendrils seeping throughout the internet until all knew its name. Blaseball. These are its stories. Coming to you pre-recorded for the time in between your regular baseball season. This is this is a cultural event, a baseball recap podcast. I'm your host Evan Saft. My pronouns are they them. I'm joined by your other host Lee. Hi, my name is Eli Lee. My pronouns are also they them. And uh, yeah, this this is this is a podcast. About baseball. I guess we should probably explain, like, a little bit about how we find ourselves here and what our experience is. Uh, personally, I joined baseball early on in season two. I've been a pretty fervent follower ever since. Uh, Lee, what's what's your experience with baseball? All right. So, my experience with baseball is this. I believe that Blazeball is a large piece of collective improv perpetuated on us by a group of people on Twitter who are just perpetually yes-ending each other. I do not think this is an actual sport. I do not think there are any numbers involved. I do not know how many actual people are involved in Blazeball or where your Blazeball supply comes from. And the only other thing I, uh, the only other opinion that I can form on Blazeball is that I think that one day in the future, after we're all out of quarantine, somebody is going to write a long form piece for the New Yorker about their disillusionment with Blazeball, and they are going to title it Blase Ball, because you only need to add an accent to that to make the, the play on words work. <laughs> if anybody wants that idea, you can have it if you Venmo me $10. So, of course, uh, what better thing to do than record ourselves as I explain the ongoings of every season of Blazeball Yes, which is the, the next step in a downward staircase of trickery that, again, <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough that I believe that you are all perpetuating on me. <laughs> Now, uh, to to uh, establish just a couple things, we are going to be jumping in midstream, as it were, because, quite frankly, I find it more interesting if we start with the, uh, just start in the middle. Um, so we'll be starting with Season 9, which is the most recent completed season at time of recording. We, we may go back to uh, some historic seasons if there is a gap in play. But otherwise, we'll be we'll be bringing you the latest and greatest. 
Yeah, Evan, who could forget the historic <laughs> games of Blazeball, like that 1958 game that they played in Brooklyn, where the Oklahoma carjackers pulled off a massive upset against the Tampa Bay Cowboys. <laughs> Please, Lee, they're the Tractor Jacks. <sighs> oh my god, I feel like an idiot. How could I have gotten that wrong? <laughs> Now, to, to go down a couple things, a couple rules I've given myself, the first of which is that everything I tell you is going to be, to the best of my knowledge, true. In the worst case, I may slip in some fan canon things, but otherwise I am going to attempt to be completely above the level here. The second rule I have is that as I was born and raised in Maryland, uh, I am, of course, a Baltimore Crabs fan. I will try to cover everything important, but the Crabs may get a little bit more spotlight just because that's what I pay the most attention to. And the third rule that I've given myself is that while I certainly could take some time out of this first episode to give you a good briefing on what Blaseball is and the history of it, uh, instead I'm going to say this. Blaseball started as a baseball simulator, and then things happened. And everything else we'll find out over the course of this podcast. Sound good? You see, I, I did a baseball simulator when I was in fourth grade, but we just called that peewee softball. I imagine that you're, you're doing something different here. Yeah, this is more like backyard baseball, except that Pablo Rodriguez isn't there. Nor is Pete Wheeler. Those are the two people I can remember from Backyard Baseball. You remember more people from Backyard Baseball than I do. <laughs> so, let's get into things. So, Season 9. I will give a little, just a, the tiniest bit of background here, because Season 9, we have just returned from a week of siesta. Last season, the Crabs came in from their second championship. Last we left off, a gigantic... Gigantic Peanut has issued us a fourth strike for tributing peanuts, a.k.a. eggs, to a giant squid rather than eating them. Okay, and, and not a number and six packs. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I do want to say um, that is accurate. I do know that peanuts are eggs. Um, they come out of trees. We learned that in fourth grade on our George Washington Carver segment. Continue. And not a number and six-pack dog walker have become receivers for the giant microphone through which Wyatt Mason speaks and conveys to us these words, Hi friends, it is Wyatt, I have a plan. So I don't know that much about baseball, uh, the actual sport with which my mother is familiar with, so I don't know how much of this is a departure from actual baseball rules. I do know that I think Jose Canseco got himself in trouble a couple of seasons ago, maybe for becoming a giant microphone. So this, this, um, as far as I know, does track. I'm also completely ignorant of baseball, so as far as I know, this is exactly in line. Are there four bases in baseball? It depends. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right to me. Anyways, so season nine. This is the eighth season in the discipline era. Our subtitle for this season is Forecast. Now, like a classic drama, uh, Blaseball can kind of be tracked to three acts. Uh, the regular season, the postseason, and the election. A season takes course over 99 days, which means that for the 20 
teams in the league, there are 990 games. I will not be covering all of these games. I'm just going to try and get the highlights. I am I am curious. So there's there's over 900 games here. Um what's the what what's the the policy on juicing for baseball? Like I imagine in this case it is actively encouraged. Well, juicing is not a mechanic yet. However, people have been uh, seen getting performance enhancements from eating stray peanuts on the field. And again, peanuts are eggs, which means they are absolutely high in protein, so that does make sense. Yes. Also, occasionally, I guess they do take sippies of other players' blood. We'll get to that. And if those players have been juicing, then I imagine that has, like, a contact high effect. Again, oh, yeah. smart tactics. So, going into our season, as you might expect from the subtitle forecast, the weather this season is pretty intense. We see every uh, type of weather that we've seen across the seasons of Blazeball, which are, of course, solar eclipse, blood drain, birds, feedback, and reverb occurring in this season. Additionally, for this, the weather has gotten a little bit more intense. Some weather has been enhanced and, and has additional effects, uh, such as birds. There is now the possibility for uh, a horde of birds to attack a player and chase them off, causing an out. Uh, this brings us right into the first, the, the first big occurrence of this season, which is on day one of the season in a game between the San Francisco Lovers and the Breckenridge Jazz Hands. In the top of the 12th inning, Lovers batter Alexander Horn is ambushed by Crows, fleeing the field and resulting in the third out of the half inning. However, for whatever reason, this does not end the inning and the Lovers continue to bat for 21 additional plate appearances, scoring 7 additional runs and accumulating a total of 16 outs before Helga Moreno is caught stealing, stealing second base, ending the half inning. This, uh, this occurrence is dubbed Crover Time. So you're saying, you're saying the name Helen Moreno, so the, the baseball Helga, Helga, Helga Moreno. You're saying the name Helga Moreno. I take it that the the baseball players like this is a a gender a gender free affair. Absolutely, the only gender is attributed by the fans. Everyone else is just represented by cold genderless numbers. I love it. That's the utopia I've been after. Continue. Another weather which we have seen gain additional effects is peanuts. Where previously we had seen players pick peanuts off the field and eat them, resulting in either yummy or allergic reactions, depending on the player's allergies, of course. Those are the two reactions you can have to peanuts. That tracks. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, have you ever met someone who didn't have allergies, who didn't like peanuts? No, I think that if they don't, they're inherently suspicious. <laughs> However, in addition to the normal-sized peanuts that we see littering the fields, occasionally big peanuts crash down from the sky, while originally what exactly this does is unknown on day 46 of the season, uh, in a game between the Unlimited Tacos and the Boston Flowers, the Tacos hitter Wyatt Quitter is crashed into and encased by a giant peanut becoming shelled, as many players have been in the past, although via a different method. It's one of the greatest American tragedies in sports. 
Well, we'll we'll get there. Up there when Nancy Kerrigan got her knee bashed in with a crowbar. <laughs> now, a, a weather effect that we haven't seen change is feedback. In fact, feedback is pretty tame this season. It has been localized entirely to the three players that have been uh, set to permanently flickering in the past season, which are, of course, Jalen Hot Dog Fingers, Six Pack Dog Walker, and Not a Number, who we see change teams several times thanks to the feedback. On this note, Jalen Hot Dog Fingers still is beaning players with pitches uh, as they have been since they returned from the dead, but the pitches this season, following a message from Wyatt through Dog Walker and Not a Number, which is Jalen time for uh, Phase 2, I believe, these pitches... These, these pitches now cause players to be temporarily repeating rather than flickering or unstable as they have been in the past. And I would like to say, um, as somebody who also had that disparaging nickname in middle school, I am rooting for hot dog fingers in this scenario. I'm pretty sure everyone's rooting for hot dog fingers. Hot dog fingers may be undisputed one of the most popular players in baseball, they were the first player ever incinerated, and they were the first player brought back via necromancy. Yeah, I mean, look at, you know, I, one of the things that I always like personally about sports journalism is like the, the human aspect of this. And I think that seeing a player overcome that level of adversity, even if it is via necromancy, I think that that resonates with a lot of people. <laughs> Now, one weather, which is surprisingly tame this season, is the solar eclipse. We set a record low number of incinerations this season since the beginning of the Discipline Era. However, this season is not without loss. As on day 64, in the bottom of the fifth, in a game between the Baltimore Crabs and the San Francisco Lovers... Beloved, completely garbage human being, Tillman Henderson, provokes a rogue umpire and is incinerated. Now, when you this... say, I'm sorry, excuse me for no, just go a ahead. moment. Go ahead. When you say rogue umpire, are there like feral umpires wandering the blaze ball field? Yes. Like, like the, the 30 to 50 feral hogs. Are there feral umpires? Uh, I could not comment on whether or not they are feral. Uh, however, yes, since the Forbidden Book was opened, all umpires' eyes turned white, and occasionally they take it upon themselves to incinerate players. They don't seem to be approved to do this by the Internet League Blaseball Commission, uh, so they are in fact rogue during this, but it definitely does happen. And, like, I know that there's already, um, not, not knowing much about baseball, but I do know this, there is, like, quite a bit of sort of long-standing animosity between players and, or, um, players, fans, and, um, umpires. So I can't imagine that this is contributing to, you know, any sort of, like, good relations between them. It is interesting. We've seen both backlash and cheering for the umpires during these incinerations. We've seen a call for more incinerations at points. Um, it's hard to gauge the entire community. I think the community is stratified um, over the rogue empire. Some, some seem to love them, some seem to hate them. But they're definitely part of the game. You know, God love those crazy kids. Now, uh, again, I do have to bring us back to the, the tragedy of this moment. Tillman Henderson, on the crab since season one, um, 
just struck down in his prime. Truly a sad day. Everyone, everyone pours out a four loco for him and then immediately tries to mop it up as they realize that Tillman still owes them money. And you know, it, I'm sorry. No, it's, I totally understand. Speaking, not, not knowing much about baseball or sports or the world really in general, but speaking as somebody who has lost somebody that they cared very deeply about, and also that person owed them money, um, I, I do, I do understand, you know, the, the emotional stress that this must be placing on you, and my heart goes out to you. I, I I appreciate you being here in my time of need. And it wasn't even like a little amount of money. It was like a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. It it's 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 truly a shame. Um we'll see what happens with the hall. Uh we'll see if Tillman can return and whether or not he will return the money. And obviously we we're you know, we care about Tillman deeply but there there are other things you know we we do also care about the money yes yes our heart goes out to the family of tillman henderson and also our wallets and also our wallets tillman henderson replaced by haunted cowboy Sylvia roadhouse and we continue on in the season on day 73 of the season the hawaii fridays set a new record for the league Entering party time after being mathematically eliminated from the playoffs on day 73. This is the fastest time that any team has entered party time. This is actually going to be the start of a number of records that the Hawaii Fridays are going to set this season, including uh, the record for the longest losing streak at 17 losses, the record for the most times partied, and the record for worst season overall at 21 wins and 78 losses. Truly a team after my own heart. You know what they say, the Fridays, they operate on island time. (laughs) Uh, Occasionally, island time takes some time to catch up. We finish out the regular season with uh, on day 99, as usual. After day 99, we see a a new occurrence um, on the idol board. We have been seeing a squid icon tracking the most idolized shelled player. And at the end of the regular season, the monitor shows up, attempts to eat Polkadot Patterson. However, does not like the taste spitting out Polkadot Patterson. Polkadot Patterson freed from the shell that they were encased in at the end of season seven and finding themselves a wee bit squiddish. And polka dots so frequently are, you know, more or less a question of taste. Yeah, I I, I, I think most people find polka dot Patterson very favorable. Um, they are one of the best pitchers in the League of Blaseball. I know that the Moist Talkers were certainly hurting for those two seasons without them. That would uh, generally be the end of our regular season. We've reached the end of Act 1 of Season 9. Speaking of acts, it was promised to be the beginning of the final act of the Discipline Era. However, uh, before we get into playoffs proper, thanks to the wild card decree that was voted on last season, 
we are given an aperitif to the playoffs as the Chicago firefighters and Hawaii Fridays are selected as wild cards and given a chance to compete against the Hellmouth Sunbeams and the Hades Tigers for these fourth seed positions from their leagues. The firefighters and the Fridays are then summarily escorted from the playoffs, though the Fridays do manage to get a win against the Tigers. Now, Evan, you, you've alluded to the three-act structure of Blazeball. I, I need to, to ask, is Blazeball, would it, would it fall into sort of the, the comedy section, the tragedy section, or are we looking more at like a problem play sort of like scenario here? Given that there have not been any marriages within canon... I'm shocked. I do not think we can qualify this as a comedy. Whether or not it is a tragedy is yet to be determined. Um, I do believe that, to some end, uh, it will follow Campbell's hero's journey. So, uh, we will return to form at some point. That is good. I do note, uh, usually in baseball, you only find out until, like, the eighth or ninth inning if it's gonna be, like, an actual tragedy. Absolutely. And baseball, baseball, you don't know until the end. So, again, we enter Act 2, the postseason. Going into our postseason, from the Mild League... We have the Charleston Shoe Thieves, the Hades Tigers, the Philly Pies, and the Seattle Garages. Entering from the Wild League, we have my beloved Baltimore Crabs, the Hellmouth Sunbeams, the Houston Spies, and the Boston Flowers. Notably, with the Hades Tigers, the Philly Pies, and the Baltimore Crabs, each coming in with two championships under their belts, this means that we have three shots at seeing Ascension. Ascension is on the plate. Now, on day 103, in the first game of the playoffs, in the bottom of the second inning, after three entire seasons, Nagomi McDaniel confirmed best hitter in the entire internet baseball league is finally pecked free from the giant peanut shell she has been encased in since the end of season six. And you know, you love, you love Cinderella stories like that in, in any kind of sports setting. You, you absolutely do. Nagomi McDaniel, star hitter. Uh, Nagomi's had a storied history across baseball. Uh, she's been on the Tigers. She's been on the Hawaii Fridays. She's been on the Jazz Hands for just like two seconds. And then she was on the Crabs. Then she was back to the Jazz Hands. And then once encased in a peanut, she was returned to the Crabs where she spent that entire time up until this point in a peanut. And now in the finals, with, with the possibility of a third championship and ascension on the line for the Crabs, she is freed. She is freed and it is a joyous day. You know, I can, I can hear the crowd now. It was truly, truly invigorating, truly one for the history books. Uh, going down our first round, the Charleston Chuthies defeat the Hades Tigers. The Seattle Garages knock out the Philly Pies. The Baltimore Crabs knock out the Hellmouth Sunbeams. And the Houston Spies knock out the Boston Flowers. This does mean that of our three Ascension possibilities, only the Crabs are left. Going in to the 
semifinals. The Charleston Shoe Thieves knock out the Seattle Garages, and the Houston Spies, although they were originally thought to be have have an extremely strong chance at a at a championship this time, they suffered a truly devastating reverb, shuffling all their players around on day 52 of the regular season and and have not been able to recover from that, their unoptimized lineup leading to a win from the Baltimore Crabs. Now, when you when you say reverb, I'm again, I don't know that much about sports terminology, so this could be like a baseball thing that I've been missing. What reverb shuffled them exactly? Oh, uh, well, so the gain was turned up on the giant microphone, um, ah. which caused reverb. Chekhov's microphone, gotcha. Yeah, which of, which of course occasionally shuffles around your players. And while sometimes that can just be the case where your rotation is mixed up a little bit or your batting order changes, these Houston spies suffered a full shuffle leading to some of their best hitters becoming pitchers, some of their best pitchers becoming hitters, and just were not able to come back from that. And you know, it's it's such a tragedy when that happens because that does also really um oh fuck, I don't know the actual sports term for this. Um it it really is um like a tragedy when that does happen because I know that um reverb has messed up like trades that baseball teams have made in the past. Uh most notably um when John Elway was reverbed completely over to the New York Mets, um, that really, really damaged their season. I think, I think you're actually speaking of an instance of feedback. Mm. Uh, as we know, reverb only affects the team, uh, one team. Feedback is what, what we'll see and what the microphone has unleashed upon us, uh, along with the forming of the ultimate Los Angeli. Gotcha. I, I apologize. I'm not like fully up to speed on the, the technical terms. No, yet. Of, of, this is this is real nitty gritty stuff. Really, just the stat heads are going to care about that. We're here for the casual baseball fans who, who just want to, you know, get get an idea of the league. And I'm glad that I can be sort of the audience insert participant for this. You know, I'm glad that I'm going to be learning alongside everybody else who might not know a lot about baseball, but wants to, you know, get a little bit more grounding on the subject before the next season starts. Yeah, and and we'll be here to let everyone know the occurrences of the season. Just, just, you know, for the people who can't keep up to date. This is really a podcast for the people. Absolutely. We are all love baseball, and I think... I may be I may be being a little hopeful here, but I hope we are all love this is a cultural event as well. I think that we can all hope for that. Now, so going into the Internet Series Finals, we have the Charleston Shoe Thieves versus the Baltimore Crabs. Again, the Crabs having a dominant season. Um, the Crabs have uh, have come from, quite honestly, one, one of the worst teams in the league, rebuilding and, and advancing across several seasons. Uh, they came in first position in the regular season, seventy-one to twenty-eight in their in their win-loss. They managed this with their star hitter being shelled. Nagomi McDaniel has been freed. It seems like everything is coming up. Crabs. The Crabs win game one. The Crabs win game two. It seems like we are on the cusp of ascension until game three, the Charleston Shoe Thieves win. Game four, the Shoe Thieves take another. We are in game five. 
Now, as, as I note, the championship games, the playoff games are, of course, three out of five series. So this is the final game of this Season 9 championship. Coming into the bottom of the ninth, Crabs lead 4-2. to two. The Shoe Thieves are batting. There are two players on bases, on first and second. Stu Trollo low steps up to the plate. There are two outs. And Stu Trollolo hits a home run, bringing the Shoe Thieves up 5-4, dashing the Crab's chance at ascension. And normally, we would think this is the end of the season. Yes, while a shame inning will continue until three outs are reached, we, we, we would expect this to be the end. Except. 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 The shame inning is interrupted. An alert is broadcast. And we get to, honestly, one of the reasons why this podcast is being made. Because we receive an emergency alert incoming. Seek shelter. Descending onto the field is that giant, despicable peanut, the shelled one. The shelled one calls out to their pods and threatens the league. It reaches out and steals from the Internet League baseball teams it's three Peanut Progeny, Peanut Bong, Peanut Holloway, and Peanut Eel Duffy, as well as every shelled player, including Wyatt Quitter, Francisca Sasquatch, Patel Beyonce, Alejandro Leaf, Wyatt Pothos, Pitching Machine, York Silk, Alex Trollolo, and fan favorite, Jessica Telephone. Yes! Jessica Telephone. That Jessica Telephone? Jessica Telephone, who was in a shell, was pecked free, and then was reshelled to form the Shelled Ones Pods. A new team. Are you ready for it to get crazy? Yes, I mean, our conversation has been so grounded so far, I was kind of wondering when the, uh, the, the crazy stuff would start happening. We then see... A new game start. The time is day X of season nine between the Charleston Shoe Thieves and the Shelled Ones pods. I will note, firstly, that the Shelled Ones, uh, the pods, have a number uh, uh, of modifiers uh, that we've not seen. I should, I should also note, quickly, that all those players who were previously shelled have been unshelled by the peanut and in, are instead now honey roasted. Yes, honey roasted. And between the crabs and the peanuts, there are a lot of shells to keep track of. Absolutely, absolutely. Honey roasted, which we had only seen applied to the three peanuts previously. Um, normally, we'd seen players become super allergic if they were pecked out of shells, which means Jessica Telephone now has the distinction of being both super allergic and... Honey roasted. A tragedy. The duality of man at work. 
one can only uh, imagine Jessica Telephone happy uh, in her struggle, but only Jessica Telephone knows for sure. So getting getting back to the the modifiers on the pods, I'm just going to go down and, and give you some names. We have Peanut Rain, Crunchy, God, The Fourth Strike, Curse of Crows, Destruction, and Pity. Interesting about the inclusion of God there. Is that a pseudonym or is that the actual almighty creature? Uh, well, that's a modifier. Uh, God, of course, means that this team will start with 1,000 times the amount of team spirit. Uh, distinct from team spirit, I will note that. I know that's the question that was on your tongue. Too true. Unfortunately, I, I cannot confirm what it smells like, but I'm fairly certain that it does not smell like teen spirit. And having a thousand times that is going to put you at a distinct advantage. Absolutely, because we see in this game, uh, never before seen in the game of baseball, health bars. Oh, no. Or rather, team spirit bars. As we pit the Sheld One's pods with nearly 30 million spirit versus the Shoe Thieves. Uh, Lee, do you want to take a guess at what the Shoe Thieves spirit was at? Uh, I'm going to say 0. 0.29. Uh, not, no, 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 not quite so bad. The, the Shoe Thieves, uh, had just under 30,000 team spirit. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, um, uh, you know, the two numbers are very close, but I can see how, uh, the, yours, you know, puts them at a higher well, advantage well, than mine. Well, uh, clearly, Lee, what you were thinking of is what, what difference there is between the two spirits, because you weren't too far off as... The Shoe Thieves did have about uh, 0.01 of what the Peanuts have. Oh, gotcha. Throughout this game, uh, we see the, uh, the, the weather going wild as it rapidly switches between all available weather. Uh, we see birds, we see feedback, we see peanuts, we see solar eclipses. It is truly a, a wild time. We see as each strike, each out, uh, each home run affects the team spirit of the individual teams. The Charleston Shoe Thieves, champions of Season 9, attempt to mount an offense against the pods. But it, it, it truly seems insurmountable. And, and we see at the top of the fourth inning, the shoe thieves are reduced down to one spirit. Now, I do have to ask you, um, quick question. You mentioned, um, the teen spirit bars. Now, is there, is there any situation where one, one player has like two Team Spirit bars stacked on top of each other, or this specifically a mono bar situation? We have not yet seen the case where we have bar overfill. Um, team Spirit is also notable to be collective rather than individual. So they are not they are not inflicting damage to individual players, but to the Team Spirit as a whole. So Team Spirit is collective, so is there any any chance in the future that we might see something like a team spirit bomb, for instance, where a player would ask other fans in the stadium to lift their arms and lend them their collective team spirit. 
Lee, I, I, I cannot tell you, uh, in my experience as a baseball fan and analyst, that we have seen that, but truly nothing is out of bounds uh, besides foul balls in baseball. So who knows? We could see that perhaps this is a piece of ascension. But for now, the Charleston Shoothies are unfortunately alone. However, the peanut does not seem to be without pity, as it were, because it takes note the Charleston Shoe Thieves being at one, one team spirit and generously transfers almost all of its team spirit to the Shoe Thieves. Which is a great, a great example of sportsmanship. You truly love to see that. In what I'm going to go ahead and say, our nation's next great pastime. I'm 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 confident enough to say that it is our nation's current great pastime. And so now, uh, top of the fourth inning, we find ourselves the shelled ones pods with just under six million spirit, and the shoe thieves with just under twenty four million spirit. Things seem to be looking up for the shoe thieves. Except we see that the shelled ones, pods, no longer have any pity for the shoe thieves. We see a huge increase in spirit damage in, in the, in the quantity of millions. The, the game continues and the shoe thieves massive spirit stores are beaten down by the dominant pods. And finally, at the top of the sixth inning, Jessica Telephone steps up to the plate and hits a solo home run, dealing 7.5 million spirit damage to the Shoe Thieves, dropping them to zero spirit, ending this game. Truly, in in many senses of the word, a demoralizing loss for the for the uh, shoe thieves, absolutely, and and it's it's not a loss without consequence either. As as a result of the destruction, the shoe thieves were cursed. So far, we've seen that uh, this season. I'm not going to get too much into it because I'm sure we'll get to it next week. But the shoe thieves, uh, their pitchers have been cursed with mild, and their batters have been cursed with flinch. It's uh, it, it, it's truly demoralizing and and mild mild is a really a real killer in that sense you want to go at the very least for honey barbecue absolutely absolutely so that is the end of our playoff season for season nine it it's it it's truly something it is truly something to see it is truly something to experience um oh Sorry, uh, I forgot real quick. The Minders showed up again, uh, just real briefly, but they missed kind of the thing, so they're just hoping that we'll call them next time. They want that delicious egg. Well, that seems like a reasonable request. Eggs, being the peanuts of the chicken world, are delicious. Which means, of course, we are on to Act 3, our denouement. Obviously, this was our, this, the, this, the, we, we've just experienced our climax We'll have to see what happens in the election. I'll, I'll go through these. Uh, we, of course, have our decrees for the season. The possibilities for decrees this season. We see a number of forecasts. 
uh, a forecast for each weather, which are, of course, solar eclipse, peanuts, birds, feedback, reverb, and blood drain. And we're going to see some problems for Tippy Hendren coming out of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this season, with the possibility for three decrees to win, or rather the certainty that three decrees will pass, we see, passing this decree season, the forecast for Eclipse, the forecast for Blood Drain, and with a whopping 52% of all decree votes, the forecast for Birds, clearly hoping that these birds may be of some assistance against the shelled one. Birds notoriously love peanuts. I, I, it's been well documented that birds like nuts. As a result of these decrees, we also see players on each team of the, in, of the league granted the unique abilities Fire Eater, Siphon, and Friend of Crows. Those are distributed across players on each team. I know that uh, I certainly would love to be blessed with the ability to be a friend of crows. I think if you, you swing by and you feed them enough french fries, they start hanging around you more. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, to find them these days. So the final, the final bit of the season, of this election season, is of course the blessings doled out to individual teams. I'll just go down the list here in the order that these blessings were in fact given out. So, winning the fifth place bubble is my beloved Baltimore Crabs, meaning that everyone who is not in the Wild Hide division is going to have to run five bases rather than four in the next season. And that is a real killer unless you do have performance enhancing drugs in your system. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Blaze running, some say it is the key piece of Blaze Ball. Uh, I know that the Crabs have definitely invested heavily into base running. Other teams, maybe not so much relying on their heavy hitting or, or their, their strong defense. Um, we will, we'll just have to see what comes from this fifth Blaze. It makes sense that the Crabs would be investing as much of their strategy into rounding the bases as possible. They do have all of those legs. They scuttle. The Philadelphia Pies won the grab and smash blessing, stealing the hitter Joad Preston from Miami Dolly's Shadows and getting rid of Kennedy Cena. Much like other Cenas we've seen this year, Kennedy Cena disappears. Will they be seen again? We don't know. I was going to fact check you and say, we haven't seen that many Cenas this year. <laughs> that is part of their mission statement. The Garages winning three blessings. Firstly, their shadow player Goodwin Morrow is maximized, becoming a truly terrifying force if they are ever pulled, called from the shadows. They win out of sight, out of sight, which was supposed to pull pitchers from the shadows. First pulls hitters from the shadows, replacing Sophia Patterson with McDowell Kareem and then McDowell Kareem with Sparks Beans and then is corrected, replacing Lori Boston with Lenny Marijuana and Ortiz Morse retreats to the shadows being replaced by Mike Townsend. Mike Townsend, who we saw retreat to the shadows in place to, 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 to bring back Jalen Hot Dog Fingers, Mike Townsend returns to the garages. 
The Mike Townsend. The Mike Townsend. Star of the Mike Townsend trilogy. Uh, the Mike Townsend trilogy available on thegarages.bandcamp.com. They supplied our opening theme, so thanks to them. Go check them out. And the final blessing won by the garages is Hot Sauce Bar, which grants one player on each team in Mild High Spicy. Among these, we see Beans McBlace, Theodore Duende, Connor Haley, Charlatan Seabright, and star hitter Alden Cash Money. They're all spicy. <laughs> I do think it's a testament to um, how good you are at selling this, that we've got 55 minutes in before I broke. <laughs> Continuing on in the blessings, the Hades Tigers uh, wing tag team pitching, improving their own pitching, as well as the, the lowest team in the opposite league and subdivision, the Unlimited Tacos, by 10%. Uh, not, a, not an insubstantial amount. Um, the Boston Flowers win the Shame Bubble, which means everyone who is not in the Wild Low Division is going to be suffering from targeted shame in the next season. Speaking of my middle school years. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it truly, shame, shame on each of these teams. Shame on them. It's gonna be rough for them when prom rolls around. Notably... Uh, this means that the Crabs will be starting Season 10 with minus one runs in their first game as they suffered that truly shameful home run in the finals. And I don't care how many legs you've got, that's going to be tough to come back from. The Boston Flowers also win new, uh, win new recruit, adding to their lineup, Scores Base Runner. And with a name like Scores Base Runner... You have to know that they're either very good at baseball or maybe hockey. Scores base runner notably with 2.5 in base running. Completely average. The Dallas Stakes win Kill Your Darling. Now, the, the Stakes uh, notably only had 8% of the vote here. Perhaps this a, a truly whimsy chance for the Stakes. Not Well, I guess not quite whimsy. But the Stakes offer to the Rogue Umpires... August Mina, their most idolized player, who was immediately incinerated and replaced with Kit Adamses. Well, when you are trading up a Mina to Adamses, you are at the very least going up further in the alphabet. So this could work out well for them. Well, it depends whether or not they're sorting by first name or last name. Ah, oh, you're right. Uh, the uh, Hellmouth Sunbeams win mutually arising, which will improve the overall rating of everyone of every team within the Wild Load Division by 2%. The Canada Moist Talkers win four blessings. First off being Eat Me, Drink Me, improving B Beans McBlaze's power and max vibes while lowering their base running. They also win Tag Team Hitting, improving their hitting by 10%, and again improving the lowest team in the opposite league and subdivision, which is, again, the Unlimited Tacos, which means that the Tacos have received 10% boost to both their pitching and hitting, as well as a 2% boost overall, as well as the fact that the, the Tacos previously having participated in an epic snacrifice have lost 
a huge number of their players. The Tacos at this moment have only eight players overall and only one pitcher. The Tacos possibly having deck built themselves into a, a powerful team. We'll just have to see what happens in season 10 with them. It's still anybody's game. Yeah. Is this the ascent of the Tacos? Well, no, because they'll need to win at least two more championships before they have the possibility for ascension. But it could certainly be an interesting game for them, an interesting season coming forward for the Tacos. Continuing on with the Kanda Moist Talkers, they win boatload of tiny eggs, granting each fan of the Kanda Moist Talkers 10,000 peanuts. Well, you know, say what you will about Canada. Still give you a heck of a lot of peanuts from their baseball teams. <laughs> and the final, the final blessing that the Moist Talkers win is the fishing net, which they grant to Cedric Spliff, maxing their defensive stats. Nets, <laughs> nets are a notable defensive item. I'm eager to see what they do with that. The San Francisco Lovers win one blessing this season, but it is the blessing that perhaps they were most excited for because they receive a blood transfusion and all of the San Francisco's lovers now have the blood type of love. I love San Francisco. This, uh, this of course means that they are now especially charming, uh, but we'll just have to see what that means in the next season. Continuing on, the Miami Dale, uh, having petitioned to try to win all Incineration Blessings, only managed to win one of them, which is the, uh, Blessing New Kid, uh, the Dale aiming for this unique strategy, because... The Miami Dolly are protected by Raul Leaf and their sawn-off baseball blat Iffy Jr. So a rogue umpire tries to incinerate their least idolized player, Don Elliott, but is instead incinerated. This is our second, I believe, recorded instance of a rogue umpire being incinerated. It's truly, it's truly a rare thing to happen. I'm sure that that was a treat for the kids at the stadium that day. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I assume this happened during closing ceremonies. Uh, and, and honestly, I don't know how the umpires union is going to be dealing with this. You know, the umpires signed on, perhaps with the idea that they're the ones doing the incinerating, and now they're the ones at risk, particularly against the Dalai. This is going to make contract negotiations tough. Continuing on, we're on to the final four blessings. The Chicago Firefighters win dead weight, which means that the Firefighters' worst player, Thomas Kirby, a completely normal man, is incinerated. Normal's just not going to cut it for these games, Tom. Sorry. Replacing Thomas Kirby is socks, maybe. The Mexico City Wild Wings... Sending Kendi Matt and Case Sports to the shadows and uh, calling up Fran Beans and Adkins Griffins. Adkin Griffin is then immediately sent back to the shadows and Brock Watson emerges. The Yellowstone Magic win credit to Teen, meaning their worst player, Wyatt Glover, will now be paying out five times the amount for their idol payouts. And our final blessing for this season is the Unlimited Tacos. Winning downsizing. Uh, I, I, I apologize, Lee. I did tell a slight lie because at the moment when I mentioned it, the Tacos in fact had nine players, but as a result of downsizing the Unlimited Tacos, worst hitter Ryan Davenport is retreated to the shadows, lowering their team size, leaving them with the eight players that they now have. 
Well, I'm gonna have to go back and adjust my stat sheet now. I hope I'm, you're happy. I'm truly sorry. And Lee, that is the end of season nine of Blazeball. Well, I will say I am less convinced that this is one extremely involved improvisation session. Because it did look like you were consulting some kind of numbers or lore on your screen while you were talking to Lee, me. Lee, I, I have, I prepared notes for this. I've prepared more notes than I prepare for the podcast where I GM a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that there's maybe a little bit of lore that I'm not caught up on coming into the ninth season of this. But yeah, all in all, it seemed pretty straightforward. So, so Lee, I, I do have to ask, what are you hoping for for this next season of Blazeball? You know, I think, I think that that modern sports almost by their their nature have to indulge in a sort of parasocial relationship with their fans, um, because that that is really kind of what sells merchandise, and a lot of sports teams. Uh, their revenue comes from, you know, ticket sales, it comes from merchandise. So it's in their, their best interest to sort of foster these, these relationships. You want to feel like the players are your friends. And this, this is true, I think, for just about any sport. You know, they sell jerseys of your favorite players. You can buy hats with like their, the names on the back. It's, you can't do that, but you can buy jerseys. I think that Blazeball should take it a step further and you should be allowed to marry the players. <laughs> I I certainly think that uh, many lovers fans would be up for that. I'm sure that uh, several pe- uh, several several fans uh, of of Jessica Telephone would also be extremely up for that. Uh, but we'll we'll just have to see what Blazeball brings next. For who the Blazeballs? <laughs> uh. Until next time, I've been Evan Saft. You can find me on Twitter at NamesEquipped. Uh, Lee, do you want to tell people where they can find you and, and if you have anything to plug? Yes, uh, for more cracking Blazeball insights along with my artwork and the other podcasts that I'm working on, you can find me on Twitter at It's Hamhawks. You can also, of course, find both of us on the Rollout podcast uh, where we play a Queer as Heck Mass campaign. And I guess otherwise, we'll see you next season. We'll see you next season, folks. Cause we're killing all gods. Oh gods, yeah, we're killing all gods. And don't tell me the odds. Cause we're killing all gods. Gods. Thanks to the garages for letting us use their song, and I mean all gods, as our theme. You can find more music that they've written about baseball at thegarages.bandcamp.com.